0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear brothers and sisters. Today we are joined with Sheikh Uthman Ibn Farooq. How are you doing, brother?
1: Alhamdulillah. I'm doing good. Alhamdulillah.
2: Alhamdulillah.
0: Hey, I'm doing good. We're alive. So another day. Another day, another dua. All right. Hashtag <laughs> another day, another dua. But in today's video, we're going to be asking the Sheikh a whole bunch of questions. I'll let someone else take over. Bro, you got the wrong one, bro. That's the next episode.
1: (laughs) (sighs) All right. So you you guys can ask me questions. we we'll we'll kind of back and forth on this. So Mm. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. First thing, it's always a pleasure being on with you guys, man. You guys are always the fun guys. man. So inshallah, this will be a fun uh, session and people enjoy it. And uh, we always try to encourage everybody, like, subscribe, share, help the brothers out. Mashallah, they're doing good work um so let me just begin with this so I, I get a lot of comments uh why do you dress this way why don't you wear this why don't you wear that right not only pay attention to people because they can say whatever they want um as a muslim we have some uh boundaries in sharia which you can cannot wear right as a woman she has her own aura her own hijab and all that men have their own aura and their own hijab and all of that and that is like uh, not imitating kuffar and all this kind of stuff that, that obviously we have to live by. After that, I mean, uh, there are things that are mustahab, that are preferred. Like the Rasul alayhi used to love to wear the qamis. The qamis at that time was like a thobe, like the longer upper garment. Alhamdulillah, it's something nice. you ibn imagine, it's authentic and so on. Uh, Rasul alayhi tied the imama on the head of the Rahman al as if the Khuzayma has his sahih. And there is some karam in the center, but it's a reliable narration. And he tied it without uh, Abdurrahman al Nauf. he tied it without a, a tail in the back, right? Without a loose end. Rasul alayhi he untied it and retied it with the loose end. And he told him, this is better, this is clear, this is the way you should wear it. So those things are more about being preferred, right? Um, for example, the people that wear the turban without the tail, like we see in Egypt and some of the Sufia and some of the Turkish and others, Rasul alayhi disapproved of that, right? So as Ibn qayyim has in Ahkam Ahl al that this is the way of the Kuffar, so you shouldn't wear it that way, right? Uh, some of the Tabi'un said, tilka shaytan this is like the way of Shaytan. And if somebody wears it today, nobody says anything because nobody has knowledge to know where the boundaries are. You get one group of people that tell you you gotta wear Sunnah clothing. What's Sunnah clothing? You don't really think the whole concept of Sunnah is about clothing, right? Right? And then they're like, they're lost, right? And they'll be wearing like an Indian or Pakistani or Afghani dress, and they think this is Sunnah clothing. Uh, no, that, that's not a concept, right? Rasul alayhi saddam wore the clothing that was the clothing of the people at the time. But there are some aspects. For example, he forbid Isbal hanging the toe down, even though that was common at the time. So now as a Muslim, we should have our pants or as a man above the ankles. Perfectly makes sense. Good. Right. But past that, there's going to be clothing that represents you as a Muslim, like right? somebody sees you walking down the street and they see that you're a Muslim, and that might be good for da'wah at certain times. You're going, like when I go to the park, people are always like, wear jeans. Well, I don't wanna wear jeans. I'm not gonna wear it because you tell me to wear it, right? But I wear a tawb or or the shalwar kameez or all these kinds of things so that when I'm walking, many people may come up to me or ask me, hey, why you dress like that? Or, hey, I like that dress or whatever. And it opens up a bab of da'wah. Alhamdulillah, excellent, right? But at the same time, it doesn't mean that I have to dress that way, right? I can dress in any way that is within the bounds of sharia. Um, Like I'm at work right now. I have a work shirt on. It was a hot day. I have my hat on representing my city. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like like this is the problem, right? People have made cultural practices into the religion or they're trying to act as if uh, there is no dress code in Islam when really the best way is to look at the sharia, what Allah has ordained, what the Prophet ﷺ has ordained, and then keep yourself within those bounds. So, you know, and this is something that I I think is very important why people need to seek knowledge. (laughs) Some people come up with really strange opinions nowadays. Um, Like I heard somebody talk the other day about niqab, and they were like, niqab is not a part of Islam. What? Where did you get that from? Whether you take it to be mustahab or wajib, that's a different mas'ala, but from Ibn Abbas عنهم, onwards, I mean, you got Sahaba and, and you got Tabi'un and others that have discussed the Mas'ala and discussed it. So for you to come out something with that left field just means you're ignorant. Like, don't speak, go, learn something, right? So, you know, that's why I thought today I'm going to put my hat on. MashaAllah.
2: Oh, MashaAllah.
3: SubhanAllah. Um, you hear you hear a lot of people saying things like, you know, you can't do dhikr unless you use a tisbih and um, <laughs> this, that, the other. And, and subhanAllah, it is a very ignorant way of thinking and it's something that um, I learned in, in my classes, subhanAllah. Um, and Wallah, people try and do this really, really like false analogical deduction. And um, it's like they're going to the last step, like qiyas, yeah, so they go to the last step and they, they forget um, the Qur'an, they forget yeah. the Ishmael Sahaba and all of that. Let me explain something about Qiyas too. People don't
1: know what Qiyas means. 90% of the people I speak to think Qiyas means that a scholar deduces something. That is not what Qiyas means. That's Ijtihad maybe, right? Mm-hmm. So how does the Sharia work? And this is very important for everybody. So we have the Qur'an, the Kalamullah, the words of Allah, مخلوق, نزل, it has been revealed, it was not It was not created. Excellent. So this is the first place we get our rulings. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran orders us to follow the Prophet, wa sallam, tells the Prophet wa to explain the rulings to us, he tells us about the hikmah that was revealed, and so on. So you get the second, which is the sunnah, which is the recording of the sunnahs called hadith. Right, it's not like hadith and sunnah are two different things. Like this is mm-hmm. again, sunnah, according to the istalah of the ulama of hadith, is anything Rasulullah did, said, approved of. Well, how will you, me, and and, and him today know what Rasulullah did? Uh, are we seeing him? Did we have, did we have any kind of camcorders or cell phone? No, that knowledge of the sunnah is recorded in hadith literature. That's what a hadith is, right? In terminology. Right? So these two, and when it's authentic, we check it, unlike the other religions that don't even have any system of checking anything. We check the narrations to make sure they're authentic. When you have an authentic narration, then you have now the second source of the Sharia. Third, you have Ijma'. The ulama of Islam, when they come to a consensus, like not just like Hanafis and Shafi'is, when the scholars come together, the Prophet ﷺ told us that my Ummah will not come together on. Misguidance, right? So we know then that becomes a hujjah, a proof for us. The fourth is qiyas. qiyas, how does qiyas work? qiyas does not work on things that were there in the time of Rasulullah and we have evidences for, right? So if somebody says, Fajr is raka'tain, and somebody goes, hmm, in our time, I think we should make three. This is my qiyas. Uh, You don't know what qiyas means. qiyas is a system. Right. For example, uh, Rami, if I asked you today, is meth halal?
3: Is what? Haram?
1: Crystal meth. Is it halal?
3: Meth.
0: Oh, is it halal? No, it's not halal. Well,
1: man, you guys don't know what meth is. You guys live in that clean life. You <laughs> right? that so, crackhead
0: if that crystal meth is uh, halal, <laughs> they'll be like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. So when you said meth is not halal, I can tell you, find me an ayah that says meth is not halal. Well, there's no ayah in the Quran, right? That says meth, that mentions meth. Tell me a hadith that says heroin is haram. Show me a hadith that says heroin is haram. Well, obviously, it's not going to come, right? So here, we have this very practical thing called qiyas. Qiyas, what does it do? It, it brings the asal, the, the original ruling. For example, Rasulullah said, every intoxicant is a khamar, is, is, is alcohol. And every khamar is, is haram. So everything that intoxicates will come under the ruling of Khamar from the hadith of Rasulullah So what we do, we look at that asal and we do farah. We extend that ruling out to a new situation because that's how practical the sharia is, right? That's how beautiful Islam is. It is applicable at all times and all places. So now we use qiyasan on alcohol. We take that meth, heroin, whatever else you want to fill in the blank that 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 intoxicates your mind will be haram based on that qiyas that's what qiyas means right um i'll give you another example just you know this was a very easy one so it give really you a little bit harder right can you make salah while you're on a plane right meaning you're you're you're, you're traveling you're in the air can you make salah now all, all of us would probably be like, yeah, you could. I mean, if you can stand, and depending on nafal, you can do sitting, but but you could, right? And then somebody could ask you, where's your dali? Okay. We will say, well, Rasul alayhi sallallahu he made salah on the camel, right? So now he's traveling, he's moving, and he made salah. Now for the faraid, he stood, that's a different issue about standing and sitting, but he did make salah on a transportational uh, means, right? So we say, base qiyasan, we say you could make salah on a plane. Now, when we go to the moon and we need to make salah on the moon, well, I think mean, there are some shiuf that have written books on salah on ahkam in space. We're using qiyas. That's how practical the Sharia is. But qiyas is not somebody just sitting there coming up with ruling. Like somebody, somebody comes up with like a totally off the wall ruling against the Quran and Sunnah, and then you're like, where'd you get that from? Qiyas. Like you can tell that they don't know what qiyas means.
3: Yeah. Yeah. SubhanAllah. <laughs> and it's, it's really important. I'm glad you made that distinction. I want to ask about something you mentioned um, at the beginning when you were talking about the, the order of uh, the sources. So you mentioned obviously Quran first, then Sunnah, Ijma Sahaba, Sayings of the Companions, and all of that, um, and then Qiyas and everything. Um, some Madahib do have it in that order specifically. Some Madahib, like Imam Shafi Shafi'i, um, they put the Quran and the ahadith, the authentic ahadith. On the same level when it comes to legislative, um, um, like rulings, basically. So,
1: so yeah. I mean, yes and no. Meaning that in reality, all madhahib, and I've studied usul uh, al and Hanafiya, um, all Madahib kind of agree on this. The, the The distinction is more in semantics, meaning. Do we say that the hadith is any less of a source in the Sharia? No, because also part of wahid. Do we say there is a difference? Of course, there are no da'if ayat, there are da'if ahadith, there are no uh, uh, ayat that we say there is iqlab in them because we know the, 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 the order of the Quran was preserved, ijma'an and so on. So Imam Shafi, for example, in al he also discusses that the first places that we get the ruling from is the Quran. For example, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says aqimu Salah. And that order is in the Quran. Right? So our base there is the Quran. Say mm-hmm. now we will say, Well, how would you establish Salah? As somebody who rejects hadith will then tell you, well, you just pray the way the people pray. Like, go, well, okay, where did you get that from? <laughs> where in the Quran does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you do what the people do, right? <laughs> right. And that's why the hadith rejectors are really Quran rejectors, right? Uh, somebody else who rejects hadith may come back and say, Well, you just pray any way you want. You just go to the beach and look at the sun. Like, well, where did you get that method from? Should we follow the Rasul, the one that Quran was revealed on? Or should we just follow some dude uh, in Buffalo, New York, at the beach or whatever? <laughs> oh, right. So so then you get these, these kind of people that don't know what they're talking about. And then somebody will say Fajr is one raka'ah, somebody will say it's four raka'ah, somebody. They just make up their own religion. How their are their desires become their Rabb? But Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, told us to obey the Prophet, So here now, we have the hukam in the Qur'an, how to fulfill that, the details of fajr being rakatain and Dhuhr being four, and asr being four, maghrib being three, and isha being four, and the Taslim and how many ruku, and how many sujood, all of that comes in the sahih Ahadith. So this is there, no doubt. When you have something in the Quran or Sahih Hadith, no madhab can take ijma against. They go to the Usul of any of the madahib because ijma cannot be done to the nusus, right? When there is ijma, no doubt it will be in line with the nusus, right? But it may clarify something that, uh, yani may not be uh, evident in the Quran and Sahih Hadith. But the ulama of Islam, based on those adillah, came to a content. I'll give you an example. Um, if you have water uh, that is more than qulatain, I'm not going to go too deep into the fiqh massah here, but it's a large amount of water, and some najasa falls in it, and it so much filth falls in it that it changes its color, taste, or smell. There are hadith on them, but they're, they're about this, but they're weak. But Imam al-Shafi'i, for example, he documented the consensus of the Muslim Ummah that if so much najasa falls in it that it changes these qualities, then yani uh, it, it will become najis, right? So now this ijma becomes a dalil for us, right? So, so this is kind of how it actually works. In this, madahib are in pretty much yani, agreement. The, the differences in, 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 in issues get to be, for example, should you use a mursal hadith, a hadith where the Sahabi is missing, is it a hujja, not a hujja? What if you have a saying of a Sahabi and then you have a da'if hadith from Rasulullah Sallam? which one do you give precedence to? Which Sahabi sayings do you give precedence to in which aspect, like Ibn Abbas and Tafsir, Ibn Masood and Fiqh and so on, so Ibn, Ibn Umar, radiyallahu In these things, then you get some of mazahid. but the usul of obedience to the Quran, the Sunnah, the ijma and Qiyas being a general method. The Zahiriya have any other madhab that you know uh, they had some issues with that, but even then they had their own usul for using it, right. um, so on. But the main point here really is: look, seek knowledge. I mean, learn. Uh, you know, this this is an obligation on you. Uh, and if you don't know, don't talk. Hey. People that talk about Niqab not being a part of Islam, like, like have you ever opened a book? Open up Surat uh, and Azab, look at the Tafsir of it, Surat Nur. look at the of Ibn Ayesha, look at the of Ibn Abbas, look at the works of Sheikh Ibn al or Sheikh al-Bani or Sheikh Ibn Baz or Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan or looks at works of Shafi'i and Ahmed and uh, Abu Da'oud uh, and, 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 and uh, you know, Abu Daoud, for example, the Muhaddith has a book called Masai and Imam Ahmed about the fiqh. Open those books up, read. Then, then speak what I don't understand is why don't people like to speak without knowing <laughs> like if you don't know who told you to speak stay quiet like look if you guys ask me uh, what is the square root of 20 million 30 whatever I don't know like I would like I don't know man Let me go ask Rami or something <laughs> 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 somebody who may know better than me right <laughs> hey, you know, even in debates you know, uh, in this recent debate, when I was asked a question about which ayah came from, I said, I don't know. Let me yeah. go look it up. Yeah. But when you talk at the mouth without knowing, then you come out like hammer time saying stuff that just, you know, gets proven in front of your face yeah. and, and you make a fool out of yourself, right? Yeah. So this is a, a nasiha to a lot of the the Tulab, uh, a lot of the students, and then a lot of the regular Muslims, uh, especially those on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter look, seek knowledge, you know, go, go, look, we have, we have, it's not like you have to leave and go to another country or something, subhanAllah, you could be like, you know, in Scotland, and Allah will make a way for you, you could be in China, you could be in Japan, if nothing else, I you could, you could go to the videos, we, like, our channel, Majdribat, alhamdulillah, has all the durus free, you don't have to sign up, no, not to give your email address or anything, we have fiqh, we have hadith, we have the science of judging hadith, we have a seerah nabawiyah from ahadith al Sahihah, we have aqidah, we have all that. Go watch them. If you don't want to watch ours, no problem. Alhamdulillah, find a good scholar, student of knowledge, somebody you can rely on, who's upon the evidences. Watch it. Learn. Ask questions. I mean, it's so
3: simple. But look at us nowadays, man. Just a weird situation we're in. Yes, subhanAllah. May Allah protect us from that. And mashallah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I found it for myself. Because my first, I'd say, three years two three years of of practicing islam alhamdulillah um i was on that solo journey that solo mission listening to different people online and some of what i heard was completely wrong which is honestly it's scary and it's, it's a problem and we'll talk about that inshallah but i realized once i i you know joined a proper like islamic institution and actually i started learning under a teacher uh, under a scholar and all of that subhanallah, i realized that um in my personal humble opinion you know, as, as a student to me, it seems like you need both your independent research and uh, your own journey seeking knowledge, reading the books of the, the classical scholars, reading the Quran, reading tafsir from credible you know, scholars and doing oh, that oh. on your own. But also, it's, it, people underestimate how important it is to have someone you can turn to, someone knowledgeable, to actually ask them specific things. Because a lot of the time we read something um, and we completely misunderstand it. So many times, I've heard quotes from uh, Imam Shafii, Allah, and, and other scholars that say something like, um, "Allah, you know, Allah exists without a place." And then this entire Ashari movement is backed up saying, "You know, um, uh, doesn't mean what you think it means." And you may be a tafirin, bro. I had people who didn't return my salam because of that, man. So, yeah.
1: And, and that, that's very important because when you look at Akwalif'imma and Ulema, first and foremost, you look at the authenticity of them. Second, you look at the context of them, and so on. And when you have, I, I mean, like like the whole Ashari Maturidi thing. Right? Like, let's just let's just take it very simple, right? And, and I like to like to be clear, right? Look, Allah subhanahu wa taala revealed the Quran to Rasul Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Rasul sallallahu he didn't teach us ilmu al-kalam, he didn't teach us falsifah, he didn't teach us ta'wilat, he didn't. He taught us the Quran. And whatever needed to be explained from it, he explained it. And he told us, well, i am leaving you with the deen that the day is like the night, meaning that and the night is like the day. that clear. I'm not, there's nothing good except that I told you about it. There's nothing bad except that I warned you about it. <laughs> Even Usul Al-Fiqr, mustalah Al-Hadith, it's all based on hadith. And if you ever study Usul al fiqr in depth, they will tell you this is an Usul based on this ayah, based on this hadith. In mustalah al-Hadith, we check the hadith. As Umar Radyan, for example, checked what Musa al Ashari said, like, like, you know, it actually goes back to Adillah. right? And then you have that first beautiful generation of Sahab, radiyallahu anhu, wonderful. Didn't have to go study Greek philosophy, didn't have to study Kalam, didn't have to get into mantiq, didn't do any of that. Like, they would, the the ayah was there, khalas, they believed in it. You know, when Imam Malik, and I'm saying the next generation, right? Imam Malik, he was asked about istawa ala al-arsh. He said istawa is known, it's ma'lum. like we see in the Quran. And the keifiyah, the how is unknown. We don't ask like, what does it, like how, you know, like this, this no, it really means this and it doesn't mean that. And, you know, no, we don't ask this question. This this question is a bid'ah, like to get into this philosophical debate is a bid'ah. It's in the Quran, Khalas, we believe in it. How do we believe in it? The way that Allah revealed it, simple. The Sahaba were good with this, the four a'imma. Uh, if you look at Imam Shafi'i, and Ashari they always talk about a Shafi'i, right? Or Imam Malik. Read the aqwal of Imam Shafi'i about al <laughs> Read the, uh, the aqwal of Imam Malik or the salaf of this ummah, the great a'imma. Uh, they would say jahl al-kalam fa huwa ilmu. Wa ilmu al-kalam huwa jahl. They would say, not knowing ilmu al this is knowledge and having knowledge of ilm al-kalam, that's ignorance, right? I mean, these aqwal, you can get uh, I mean, the, the kutub of the uh, imam of the past and Ibn Abi Asim and others, you will find these aqwal, sanadan, all of that, right? Our Durus and we mentioned them with the references and all of that, right? So how simple is Islam? Look, Allah said it, we believe it. It's kalam Allah. Rasul Alayhi said it, authentically, we believe it. How does Jannah have so much space. Well, bro, when you get there, inshallah, you can find out. <laughs>
3: Subhanallah. Or when, um, when when Professor Krauss asked Hamza Zorsis, what is the soul? And he's like, when you die, you'll find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Subhanallah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful response. There
0: you go. <laughs> Subhanallah. Yeah, and I, I like that because a lot of people, can y'all hear me good? Or yeah. do I got to get closer? We can hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but a lot of people... I would almost say that's like a a disease of the mind because you know before i came to islam um, anytime i would uh learn something i would always ask why and i would try to go deeper and deeper and deeper and it's like it's a never-ending like even when you find the answer your mind is giving up for the next thing the next thing the next thing and um yeah so it it makes sense
1: i mean there are some things you should question and, and we're not against questions but some things you will not be able to fully grasp with the human mind. That's just a fact. Uh, mm. For example, if somebody says, hey, this is in the Quran, feel free to be like, hey, where is that in the Quran? Which ayah? Sure, no problem. Rasulullah <laughs> said this, hey, where is the hadith? Is it authentic? Ask the question. No problem. How do we know it's authentic? No problem. Ask this question, right? But if somebody asks, what's the last number? <laughs> it doesn't matter. There is no last number, right? Any number you give me, I'll add a one to it, right? And if you sit there and just contemplate on that, you'll just give yourself a headache, right? Your, your, your brain will, will not be able to do anything except taslim, except just to accept it, right? And that's what Islam is, aslama, right? We submit ourselves to Allah. If Allah said it, it is, right? So when you look at things like, where's the end of the universe? And when I was a little kid and as a foolish kid, I would look up at the sky sometimes and I just wonder, like, where's the end, right? And I would just contemplate, like, think about it. Like, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. There must be, like, an end, like, in your mind because you're human and the human state of mind is filled with restrictions, right? Everything is got a beginning and end, right? Like, your house has a beginning and end, even if you live in a baller pad like uh, in hell, but, uh, right? Your, your car has a beginning and end, even if it's, like, fayads, mashallah, yani stretched out limo. Right? But it still has a beginning and end. Now, when you look at the sky, you can't see an end, right? So your mind, your mind puts a false end. Like there must be a place end of the sky. Okay, what's after that? Nothing. What's nothing? Right? If you go through this, you just give yourself a headache, right? Because these things are not meant for our human comprehension. These are things where Allah has shown us certain things to be like. Look, there's certain things you need to know. Allah is one. This is the Quran, this is the Sharia, this is the Prophet, alayhi Ask your questions, need to know, will know, under, need to understand, can understand. Certain things, you have to leave to Allah. right? Now, even seeing Allah is not possible in dunya. And if you look at the ulema of aqidah and the discussion of Quran and the seeing of Allah, in dunya, you can't see Allah. And, and these are ayat in Quran that establish this and so on as well. But in akhira, you will. Right? And that's a very interesting point, because in dunya, we're limited. Everything around us is limited. Everything has a beginning. We were born, we'll die. The time that this office wasn't here, the time is going to be gone, so on and so on. Right. So everything has that limit. So when we're in this limited state, we cannot see Allah. We cannot handle it. Right? But after death, we will transition out of this temporary life into an everlasting life. And in that everlasting life, you will be able to comprehend the vastness of Jannah and you will be able to understand the, the never-ending Naar and you will be able to comprehend uh, the, the greatness uh, of, of the, the bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given upon us in reality and so on. And at that time, you can then see Allah. And that's the greatest pleasure in Jannah, is to see Allah. How beautiful is that,
3: right?
1: When did you think about it? I and mean, all these years of making sujood and making this ibadah and praying to Allah. And then you actually get to hear Allah. You actually get to see Allah. we actually get to, yani uh, I mean, Ibn al-Qayyim has a, has a short poem when it's so beautiful about, you know I mean? Uh, I don't want to get too deep into this. But it's such a, a, a thing that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in al Jannah.
0: Amin, ya Rabbil Alameen. Amin, Amin, A hundred percent, man it's like you know how you know how we we want to see things in in this dunya in this life like we you might want to travel you might want to see the uh the philippines you might want to see the maldives you might want to go to thailand you might want to go to russia you might want to go to the netherlands wherever it is it's like yeah oh okay all right go ahead rep it (laughs) rep it hard boy but um We want to see these things because to us it's like oh it's beautiful. That's the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is gonna be beyond anything that's been created. Mm -hmm. So I I I think I think you're right, man. I think you're right. And I also think that um we shouldn't understand everything hundred percent because if we did, then this wouldn't be a test, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, we get this all the time people are like you know atheists will come up to the booth and 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 you know we, like we don't get a lot of views on the atheist videos but i think those are the funniest, you know because the atheists they just got nothing they'll right? <laughs> be like why doesn't god just put a big sign in the sky that says god <laughs> <laughs>
0: stupid right?
1: like imagine that right like imagine you walk into a, a, a examination hall you go you go take your whatever SATs or you know you're taking a test then you know the teacher's like hey here's the test here's your plan here's your time limit go go at it and you're like why don't you just put the answers oh. <laughs> 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 like okay well, there's a test for you yeah, yeah all the answers are right already written in great job mm-hmm. you know? right subhanallah you know and the amazing thing is if there was a sign in the sign in the sky that just said Allah like a big huge sky all all the time some atheists will come over the reason why it's there you know you know what it is it's really the winds that hit the particles <laughs> <laughs> mm. right i mean think about this right i have a video on the splitting of the moon if you haven't seen it you got to watch it inshallah right we talk about the evidences from the quran and also from the authentic narrations but also from many of the enemies of the prophet sallallahu who were who were adversaries they were they were they were enemies And they saw this, and they documented it, and they talked about it. And and some of them later became Muslim, and some of them never became Muslim. And we talk all the evidences and books and references in the video, right? Those people saw the splitting of the moon. Like Rasulullah told them, what what do you want? We want a miracle? Yeah, what do you want? Split the moon. Okay. Astallah, Allah split the moon. Now, what can be clearer than that? and there are those that did become muslim but there are those that still did not become muslim they saw the moon split right they asked the other arab travelers the tribes that were out in trade groups when they came back authentic hadith ibn in Nihaya, okay? right when those travelers came back they asked them hey we saw this did you see it as well because maybe muhammad sallallahu did some magic on us but he couldn't have done it on you right and they were like yeah we saw it I mean, these are people that were outside of Mecca. Unless Ibn Malik reported this, he was in Medina at the time, right? Then you have, uh, and again, I mean, I give all the references in the video, but you have documentation from India. Now, as a disclaimer, those documents do not match our level of checking in Hadith, right? Because mm-hmm. our level of checking is way deep, right? Yeah. Who heard it? Who was the first person to report? Does it conflict and all this? I and mean, we go nobody goes deep like we do in hadith no historian nobody right um one of the brothers mashallah he has an idea we'll see if we do one of these days uh, on his show we're going to do like a, a hadith style checking of the bible you know and see how it comes out but it'll be fun uh but anyway but in hadith we go really deep those oral traditions some written some later and things will not match our detailed analysis but that is accepted History There there are monuments made to it, even enemies of Islam, for example, any uh, people that are, you know, the the Modi or whatever his name is, even he, you know, makes little gold replicas and sends it to Saudi kings and stuff. That's how well accepted it is about the mosque of the one who saw this and became Muslim and built it and so on. I mean, in their textbooks, in their, and to multiple sources, Hindus will say this is accepted history that people in India saw the splitting of the moon, right? So imagine that, like, like such a, a miracle in front of the people. And there's still people that didn't become Muslim. So hidayah is from Allah. Yeah? Allah has given us so many signs. Look at in everyday life, how many signs does Allah give us? Right? Every breath you take. Think about this. Like I talked to an atheist, I told him, look at how complex the human body is. Right? Look at the eye, look at the, the brain, the lungs, the kidneys. Everything has a function. Everything has such perfection, right? Even your eyebrows. You know, you, you never think, like, what are eyebrows for, right? Like they're just kind of there. But I had a friend who was barbecuing, he burnt off his eyebrows, right? And he couldn't walk in the sun. Like he couldn't walk, his eyes couldn't take it. And then you realize these eyebrows actually block the sun rays. I mean, everything has a purpose. So ask them, how did that get to be? Right? How did, you know, nose hairs? We're all busy trimming nose hairs, you know. Nose here stop bacteria from going up into your body. Mm. It's a very essential thing. And when you make wudu, when you put that water on the nose and flush it out, it takes all those germs and bacteria out before it gets in. I mean, like, look at that.
2: They're going to say natural selection.
1: Excellent. So let's go to natural selection. What does it mean, natural selection? Meaning something had to be there to be selected. Right. Natural selection, trust me, I, I have a master's in Hadith, but I also have an executive MBA, we, we, we're gonna go here. right? This is a medical device company that I'm sitting at right now. If you need a longer neck to reach certain foods and you have it and the other animals don't, you will survive, this is natural selection. Simple example, great. But that means you had to have a longer neck to begin with. It has to be selected, right? teeth how did you naturally select teeth if the first organism didn't have them right eyeballs eyeballs can't function without all of the the, the details and and and, and analysis that they have if the Mm. eyeballs weren't able to see and have the function of sight there would be no benefit to just two little soft balls on your head right so natural selection does not answer the question of origin right Mm. so
2: What about if they say random genetic mutation?
1: Thank you. I was hoping you'd bring that up because I was going to bring it up, but I'm glad you did. Excellent. Random genetic mutation. That means me, you, and Angel, and Rami should all be having random mutations. Mm -hmm. Right? That means you should see somebody walking around and not just one person because random mutation of a species. Right? If one person has something that can't bring it to the whole species. So that means there should be people walking around with horns. There should be people walking around with feathers. There should be people walking around that randomly got wings. <laughs> and and those wings shouldn't be flexible and all that, they should be random. Right? That makes no sense.
3: Think it through. Yeah. So so let's say yeah. So what if they say oh. natural selection through random mutation? So so then again you had to have
1: had it in that, let's use the eye example, right? -hmm. How do you randomly mutate to have a functioning eye? Mm -hmm. You cannot. It's not just, there was just a soft piece of flesh with no purpose to it. And then one lens came to, see what I'm saying? The eye has to have sight for it to be of value for natural selection. And for it to have sight, it had to be in functioning order. It cannot be random. Yeah, okay.
3: yeah, yeah.
1: I'll give you an example. Uh, Fayal has a mic in front of him, right? Now, what if I told you nobody made that mic? He didn't go to some expensive store and pay a lot of money to buy that store. He didn't order it online. Uh, Sony or Samsung or whatever, uh, Rodeo, Road, whatever that is, companies that make mics didn't make it over billions of years randomly a piece of dirt mutated to develop a mic. Right? Come on, no, why no not? Why not? No. Billions of years, that dirt <laughs> turned into <laughs> a rock, into a clump of sand, hmm. into metal somehow, and, and developed the ability to pick up sound and grew a USB or a coaxial cord out of it randomly. Nobody, no You're no, going no against the
2: law does. of entropy. You're going from disorder to order, which shouldn't be okay. random, right?
1: Okay. What about the human? Are you more complicated or that mic? We're, we're a lot more complicated. Um,
2: you gave you, you gave the same analogy. And uh, I think you were, yeah, so it was a video of yours. You were in a lecture hall talking about hijab and all that, right? Yeah. yeah I think you were talking about a computer and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I remember that.
1: I give these things all the time, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but the point here is atheists have no answer. I mean, they just they have no answer. They're just there to like talk. But if you ask them, they have no answer. Mm-hmm. Where'd we come from? No answer. What's the purpose of life? No answer. What's right and wrong? If somebody is atheist, tell me what's right from wrong, right? Why is it that it's wrong to kill somebody? Because you feel it's wrong? Well, some, some dude somewhere is like, hey, I think it's, I mean, I had friends growing up that had thought there was nothing wrong with killing somebody, as long know he got away with it, right? So, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, why is it wrong to kill somebody? Well, as a Muslim, I would tell you because Allah made it haram in the Quran, right? Rasul made it haram in Hadith, right? I would tell you these evidences, right? But as an atheist, it's just your feeling. So, tomorrow, if society decides, you know what, slavery is okay, we should enslave all Chinese people, right? then I guess it is okay because if society agrees on it, right? Mm-hmm. There is no right and wrong in atheism. Then there is no moral code. It's just people's own opinions. And, and you know, if you have four people, you probably have five opinions of what's right and wrong. So, so then, you know, society can't even function like that. Right? This, is the, this is the things people don't think about, right? Bestiality, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't want to get, you know, too explicit here, mm-hmm. but all of that, why is it wrong? If you're an atheist, we can tell you it's wrong because Allah made it haram. Our designer, our creator who knows best how we should function, told us this is how you should, and this is how you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: One, that, one last that, thing I want to touch on with the eye. Know, let me let me touch on that with what he said. I what to touch you on said, it, it it basically it, it makes it objective, right? You know, and then uh, a lot of atheists will say, Oh, well, there's there's no such thing as objective. And I, they, but they don't, they don't even believe in subjective or objective. But then, when you ask them this question, they're like, "Oh, well, exactly like you said." You know, it's it's something that we already have, like the ethics, the moral compass. Like, all right, but where is that coming? But from? we don't, we don't. I, I mean, think about it, right? I mean, as a society, the moral compass
1: is very different in different places. Mm-hmm. If you go to different countries, some some will consider capital punishment immoral, some will not, right? Mm-hmm. Some will consider uh, jails to be immoral. If you, I don't know if you've ever seen a jail in Norway and all that. I mean, you know, those things look like vacation spots. They got Xboxes and stuff, right? When you show them uh, a pin in, in the US, they're like, that's torture. That's immoral, right? But in America, we consider Texas. They love to fry people. They're like, that's sentence away, right? In many other states, they're like, that's immoral. So who's going to decide, right? Even in society, we haven't come to a consensus on what's moral and what's not. What, what's, what's I mean, look at child labor laws look at you know I mean uh, factory conditions in China look, look at the massacre and on uh, genocide of the Uyghurs, the, the our brothers and sisters in, in China the Chinese government feels that that's perfectly fine Biden said something about I don't know about being you know, cultural or whatever but obviously yeah, any human being would be like nah that's not cool right so 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 this idea that humans have come to like a consensus on morality is, is this is a lie right? Okay? I mean, if you if you go to today, different cultures, even things like drinking alcohol and things, there's no consensus. I mean, I got non-Muslim co-workers that don't drink alcohol because they feel it's immoral, but I also have non-Muslim co-workers that get drunk all the time, mm-hmm. right? So is it moral or is it immoral, right? As a Muslim, I will tell you it's haram. Why? Because my it's not based on my deduction, my creator who knows better than me, right? Let me ask you a simple question, right? Let's say you get the uh, iPhone 13, right? And it's, I mean, I I don't know what it's going to be like, right? But let's say it's like a crazy new design. It's like totally different, right? It's nothing like, which probably won't because, you know, Apple hasn't really been (laughs) coming strong lately, but, right? Let's say it is, right? It's got this hologram that comes out and all this crazy stuff, you know, like, whoa, this is cool, right? But the charging system, water, everything is different, right? How would you know how to use it? Right? You're going to look for the user manual, like when you get it in the box, you open it as little user manual, or you're going to YouTube a video of a trainer, somebody who knows it. Maybe Apple has an instruction video, they have trainers that go out and show you, hey, charge it like this, not like this, don't put it in water, do it, do this, do that, right? The manufacturer knows how to use it. If you, on the other hand, Rami, decide, you know what, I'm going to put in the microwave and see what happens. Well, you might get a pretty good YouTube video, But that cell phone is not going to work much longer, right? So so we, in experimentation, don't know how to use it. We'll destroy it, right? But the manufacturer that built it knows how it should be used. So who made us? Allah. We didn't make ourselves. Allah made us. And that Allah knows how we should best function. So that Allah then sent a user manual with us, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody had that guidance. First and foremost, in your fitrah, in yourself. You know shirk is wrong. When you see somebody worshiping a a rat, you just look at them like, seriously, bro? Like, Mm.
2: seriously?
1: You know it's wrong. Somebody steals, they know it's wrong. They can justify it in their mind all they want, but you know. And some societies will be like, yeah, whatever. It's capitalism, big fish, eat little fish, whatever, right? But your fitrah is there. Then Allah sent books. look at the mercy of Allah. He didn't have to, right? But Allah sent the the Torah, the the Zabur, the Injil, the Quran. Then Allah sent Anbiya, Prophets, Trainers. So you've got, like, for us now, with the last revelation, we have the Quran, this is our username. It tells you your rights and wrongs. And the trainer sent is the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to show us a practice. That's why the Aisha, said he's the walking Quran, to show us a practical implementation how to implement the Qur'an, right? This is the true guidance. Otherwise, I are like, you know what? I think we should eat by putting forks in our eyes. Well, go for it, bro. Try it out. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, they're,
0: they're backwards, though, in the fact that if you ask them about this, they'll be like, oh, well, no, there is such a thing as morals and ethics. I mean, look, a little a little, little kid, the little kid, he's going to think it's wrong to kill someone. He's like, oh, well, okay, that's what fitra is. But then when you tell them to that, when you tell them that, they're like, oh no, 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 I don't I don't believe in that. I don't believe yeah, in But that. let's let's take a little kid, right?
1: A kid's gonna have fitrah, no doubt to that, because Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala puts us on fitrah, right? But if you take the same little kid and you and you raise him in the hood and you raise him where he's got no money and his parents are not there, mom's a crackhead, dad's out, you know, went to get milk, never came back, kind of situation, right? And then you take the same kid, genetically, same kid, and you raise them in a really pious household, parents are religious, Quran being read, Salah being made. And then you ask both of them, is drug dealing okay or not? The one in the hood that has to sell drugs to survive to have money is going to be like, bro, it's okay because I got to pay my bills, right? And the one raised, even though in, in the original fitrah, they both knew it, but the upbringing then sets up their morals. Right. The thing with atheists is then they have no morals, right? If you look at, I'll give you. A, let's let's take a contemporary example. Right. Nowadays, you got this idea of trans transgender. Right. Yeah. We're, we're gonna go there. Let's get you guys banned while we're at it.
2: I mean, not banned, bro. That's most of our controversial viewed videos. I'm just messing with you
1: guys. Mm. Right. So you got these dudes. That's a fully functioning, it's not a eunuch. it's not a hermaphrodite. it's not somebody with any asex, a gender issues, he's just a dude, like a fully functioning man. And he decides, I'm going to wear a dress, and I'm a woman, I'm going to self-identify as a woman today. All right. So, in Islam, that's haram. Rasulullah A.S., he forbid uh, the rajal that, that dress up like women and so on, and a woman that dress like would within clear hadith, خلاص. But an atheist would be like, no, you know, it's nothing wrong with it. He identifies, she identifies as a woman today. All right. Now she wants to box as a woman. Right. Now, those same people, are, whoa, 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 right. Well, why not? Right. Let Let Let's imagine again, in case Mike Tyson watches this. No offense, brother, but let's imagine if Mike Tyson decides tomorrow, you know what? I'm gonna self-identify as a woman. And I'm going to box the best woman boxer that's out there, Mike Tyson, right? You want to put him in the ring with the woman? I, I'm a woman? I'm a dude and I don't want to be in the ring with Mike Tyson, right? And uh, and imagine that, right? At that point, now you're like, whoa, 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 hit the brakes. Like, well, why? If you're going to take it that path, then go for it, right? Let's say I want to self-identify as Korean.
2: Okay. Yeah, trans race is becoming a thing.
1: Right? <laughs> I'm a monkey address me as a monkey right <laughs> no you're offending me <laughs> what the hell right like like you see it doesn't stop yeah. right you know you, you had the you had the LG stuff in the beginning then they increased it with the T and this and that and now there's a push for pedophilia you don't believe me Google it right well why I mean again if you're gonna have no moral right and wrong then who said pedophilia is wrong right who said, Bestiality is wrong. If you wanna go and marry a chicken, why not? Right? Like Islam, alhamdulillah, we have the Quran, we have a hadith, we have these safety barriers of, of our creator telling you this is not the way to go, right? If you look at homosexuality from a biological perspective, from a, not, not, not even going on a religious perspective, right? A species needs more than two per couple children, survive as a species. But the core job of a species is survival. I mean, from a natural perspective, right? So if everybody only had, if every couple only had two children, we would be in danger as a species from our survival because some children are gonna die. Some are not gonna repro- you know, reproduce and so on, be sterile. So your, your species starts to dwindle. And if you continue that, you, you, you become the dodo mm-hmm. bird, right? You're finished, right? Now imagine if homosexuality becomes prevalent how many heterosexuals are you gonna to have to have babies for you to adopt? <laughs> How many test you babies are you gonna produce as a society? You start seeing that the natural structure was not such. Right? Uh, and that's why I'm not gonna get into detail, but even that method of relations is filled with pain and rips and this and that because it's not natural. That's not the way it was supposed to be, right? And, and, and people realize, and then, you know, some, you know, I work with a bunch of PhD atheists and stuff and they'll always be like, oh, well, that has observed some homosexual behavior in animals. Oh, there's also cannibalism in animals. You want to go down that path? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. So, <laughs> right. right. And, and and this this is something amazing today that when I was growing up and I'm not that old, it was something very well understood that this is something that is unnatural, but now it has become so strange that you can't even talk about it. Freedom of speech out the door. You know, if you want to be like, hey, I don't think my religion allows this. You know, oh you know, whatever, bro. Do what you got to do, but I'm going to speak the truth.
2: It's got to be the way it is. You know? Isn't there supposed to be like this, this new law that comes into Cali that you must hire someone from the spectrum in every business? Whatever, man. Mm-hmm.
1: California, man. <laughs> you know, whatever. It is what it is, man. I mean, let them bring whatever. And people don't like our du'a, our imma that are scared to talk about this, don't realize that it's not going to be the end at inclusion and not speaking about it. Look at Qaumil Lut. Lut, the Quran. I mean, this is an example for us. right? Lut put restrictions on Lut. Salam. Right? They put restrictions on him saying, You are a Qaum. You want to be clean. You want to live this clean, clean life. Nope. No gas. No this. No that. They put restrictions on him, right? So if you don't stand up for what's right, they're going to come after you, right? I mean, it's not. It's not just like let it go, right? That that's not the way it works, right? Lut, when they saw the malaika they didn't just be like, okay, you be you, right? <laughs> Look what happened. And what's interesting in the Quran the wife of Lut is called a kafir. If you want to look at the example of the kafir woman, one of them is is the wife of Lut. We don't know of her worshipping idols. But her kufr was the acceptance and support of that which Allah made haram. Today you got imams and masajids. Allah mustahim. But, you know, Rasul alayhi Wasallam told us, man, there will always be a group from my ummah on the haq, and you know, that's gonna be speaking the truth, and, and and they will never be overpowered, even if it's small, you know.
3: Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. May Allah make us from amongst them. I mean, I mean I mean, all right. I mean, look, look
1: look at our society and family structure. Hmm. You know. Uh, I, I mean in the 50s and 60s in America, and I'm just talking about American society here, I'm not even like talking about generally and so on. You had a uh, strong male role models, right? Um, uh, from a media perspective, right? You had John Wayne, you had whatever, you know, all these guys that were these, you know, fatherly figures, the, you know, whatever, uh, was it, I don't know the I do know the shows, man. I'm, I'm too young for all that, right? But, um, but you know, you had these strong figures, um, and and you had a society that promoted that, right? Then what happened is, in the next generation, what did you have? You had Al Bundy. I don't know if you guys are old enough to know Al Bundy, married with children, is right. You had Homer Simpson, right? And then past that, you had American Dad or whatever. I haven't mean, I mean, watched that stuff, right? That's that's past my when I was like, I'm done with TV style time, right? All of these figures became morons. The dad was an idiot. Like he didn't, like Homer Simpson was a moron. Marge was always right. Homer didn't, everything he did was wrong. He was just, a, this. A, his son didn't respect him. His daughter didn't respect you. You see what I'm saying? Um, Al Bundy from Married With Children, he was just, you know, he, life suck. he was horrible. Family didn't respect him, right? And you see this media attempt to destroy the family structure. Hmm. Psychologists are telling us that one of the reasons why transsexuality is up, and this is non-Muslim, so from a psychology perspective, is because of the breakdown in the family structure, child looking at his mother taking the father's role and the father taking the mother's role and so on. Now, having said that, how should a man act? If you got a flex, you're not a man. If you gotta flex that you're you're a man, you're not a man. You're, being a man is doing what Allah has ordained, what the Prophet showed us, and this is manlihood, right? Uh, Rasul Subhanallah, he was he was the best example, right? When it came time for salah, he he went for salah. He wasn't like you know, uh, when it came time for jihad, he was there. When it was time to lead the community, he was there. When it was time to make hijrah, he made the decision. But when he came home, he washed dishes. He helped with the house. I mean, you know, uh, washing dishes is an example. But I mean, like uh, the things that, as Aisha said, that he would be helping with housely chores. He would be sewing his own shoes. Right? He didn't have to put up a fake image uh, of an alpha. He was an alpha. right? And, and that's when you are a true Muslim living by the Quran or Sunnah. That sets what you should be. When you are with your children, you are loving. You are a, 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 a parent. You're, you're not just, you know, this tough guy that walks in and yells at everybody. You know, when you are with your wife, you are caring. Right? When you are when you are uh, outside, you are a man. You're not begging people. You're not losing that, that 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 honor that a man should have, right? You're not out there wearing pink T-shirts and uh, painting your nails and thinking you're a, you're a man because you're an MMA. You can work out all you want, bro. I ain't scared of no dude with a pink shirt and painted nails and plucked eyebrows and all that, right? That this is where Allah will show you the sharia. Like this is where you're supposed to, how you're supposed to act. You know, we have extremes in the ummah today, right? And, and alhamdulillah, Rasul alayhi sallallahu alayhi showed us that middle path, right? That path where you no longer have to flex something, you just live by it. And then people know you're a man.
3: Alhamdulillah. We'll start question answers. Inshallah, Inshallah. May Allah make us you know, good men. Allama ameen. 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 All right, bro. With that being said, I think,
2: wonderful episode. If you made it this far, hashtag bring back men. And with that being said, Rami, end it off.
3: Allahumma <laughs> atina fid dunya hasena, wa fil akhirati hasena wakkina adhaban nar. Assalamu alaykum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. O barakatuh.